Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Well, today on Aim Higher, we are talking to one of my favorite people, Patricia Fripp. She's a Hall of Fame speaker, a member of the Speakers Roundtable and Executive Speech Coach, a sales presentation expert, and she's just actually a world-class speaker who is an amazing person. She's a friend, and we're glad to have her. Yeah, I'll tell you a little story. When I'm talking about speaking, you, know, you tell a story, and you tell it to Patricia Fripp on the fly. She is recasting it, thinking about various audiences, thinking about word choice, every word, every dramatic pause, the tone, the order of what you say. And she will say, I would reorder it this way. I would consider this. Now, is your impact going to be here or here? What is your goal here? And she will architect a story in an amazing way. And you see that through the impact she has on audiences, big and small. It is simply genius. She has a new book out with two co-authors called Deliver Unforgettable Presentations, How to Speak to Be Remembered and Be Repeated in Person, Online, and On Stage. It is a fantastic resource for anyone who wants to present with power. And so we're so glad to welcome you, Patricia Fripp, to Aim Higher. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And everybody should aim higher when it comes to the quality of their communications and presentations. Because as you know so well, Skip, nothing will position you ahead of the crowd like the ability to stand up and speak eloquently in public, or at least stagger to your feet and say anything at all. It is true. Patricia, I always think about telling people, you know, the top three skills, corporate skills that are underemphasized, not talked about, not taught, not focused on in business school. And speaking is always in that top three list. And yet people don't realize its power. And we've seen it. You see politicians rise to the top on the basis of a single speech. You see deals closed millions and millions of dollars because of that speech. And I know you work on that in particular with technology, high stakes kind of presentations. Your words, your presentation, it matters so much. It's not just for the average keynote speaker. You're involved with National Speakers Association and top-notch speakers. You've been involved in various capacities there, but it's not just for that top-notch speaker, is it? It's for everybody. No, my, my life is spent a lot with engineers and executives in Silicon Valley, especially engineers and technical experts who are going to speak at client conferences and their user conferences. And of course, what is wonderful about these technical experts is they are not seen as sales professionals, they are experts, which means they are so persuasive because of their expertise. And my job is to not understand everything that they're talking about, but help them craft what they're saying in a way that it will be remembered and repeated. And as I tell them and my audiences, 
we always want to speak to be remembered and repeated. However, when we do that well, we in fact are speaking to the audience of our audience. When others repeat what it is they heard us say, if it sounds important enough, they would tell their team members. In fact, Skip, and this would be a technique for anybody, I always suggest when my engineers are speaking at the user conferences, before they do the review of of their presentation, they say is, when you talk about this presentation, and please do, remember to tell your leadership, ba-ba, 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 all the key ideas. Now, of course, most speakers who have any sense know You're going to review your key ideas. However, I always suggest you put it in their minds. This information is to be repeated. This is who you tell it to. And these are the key phrases you use. We're talking, of course, about being repeated in a positive way. I can't help but think with the cynic in me that sometimes you're remembered and repeated in not so positive ways. So we don't insist, we don't want you to become a meme, do we? No, we do not. But that has happened as well. And so I think there's some lessons for us both on the positive side. And we've also seen some on the other side. You know, we always think about speaking and people always link speaking with a word fear. They are afraid of speaking. And of course, there's that famous saying, which I don't think is fully accurate, but we're afraid more of speaking than death, et cetera, which means people are would rather be in the coffin than speaking <laughs> yeah, at the funeral. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you think about that. Why is that? I mean, you've been around people in this field for so long. Why is fear so linked with speaking? Because we don't want to look idiotic or we don't want to embarrass ourselves. And for example, I have a lot of individuals when they first come to me, they say, oh, I'm a terrible speaker. I say, stop saying that. You are not a terrible speaker. You're an untrained speaker. You're a fabulous speaker waiting to learn exactly how to be magnificent. Never program yourself with a thought that you don't want. There's a difference between being untrained and awful. And everyone can improve. Not everyone is natural. Not everyone might be charismatic. However, everybody, when they learn some proven principles and perhaps little known secrets, which aren't secrets because speech coaches tell you about them, Everybody can get their message across. It's just knowing, one, what are you going to talk about? Now, my challenge is people say, oh, well, I've been speaking for years. I'm a subject matter expert. Just because you're a subject matter expert and you know your subject does not mean you're a great speaker. It's rather like knowing the words to a song makes you a great singer. No, (laughs) you know the content. It's just simply who's the audience and why would they care about your message? then how can you make a compelling case in a way that they would care even more? And is it very clear what is the next logical step for them to take based on what they've heard from you? Well, I love the fact that we're excellence just waiting to happen and the difference between being awful and untrained. And even that just reframes the whole 
perspective of, no, I would like to be trained instead of trying to just eliminate fear. And I'd love to talk about some of the more common mistakes that you've seen maybe sales professionals make. I know you've written about this and talked about this. You don't have to go through all of them, but I'm just curious, maybe one or two of those mistakes that are are more common than others. The most common mistake is to use the same formula of your presentation for everyone. Now, the old way of selling, and I do believe people are getting away from this, but this is who we are. This is what we're known for. This is how long we've been in business. These are who we serve and would love to add you to our list of clients. Nobody cares. We know by research that if you are in a position to be delivering to a decision maker or a committee that's making the decision, the company has already researched you against your competition. They know a lot about you. So no reason to do that. No. If you've gone through all the process, and these are fairly high-state presentations. So one of my key points is if you sound the same as everybody else, you have no advantage. So my recommendation is you know about the company and they know more about you than you probably give them credit for. And then I would begin every presentation when let's do whether it's in Zoom or in person, it's now your time to speak. So don't ever thank people for their time. I know they're important and they're probably more important than you in this particular situation. However, don't thank them for the time because everybody does, even if they're selling a hundred dollar item and you might be selling half a million dollar item. So I would always begin with congratulations. I work on one premise, Skip. Everyone's more interested in themselves than they are in me. So congratulations. What can you congratulate this prospect about that they're proud of? It could be congratulations. Your latest advertising campaign is spectacular. Or congratulations. I just noticed your stock price went up two points and your major competitor is down three. Obviously, your strategy is sound. It could be Congratulations. As I was walking to the conference room, everybody I engaged with was polite, smiled, said, do you need any help? Obviously, your core strategies work. Now, this is just short, sweet. Now, you've got an advantage if you are congratulating them on something that is not on their website. You can always get something on their website. So it's obviously you've researched them as much as they've researched you. So congratulations. And then Thank you for the opportunity to discuss if the FRIP presentation skills training may be the solution that you were looking for for your upcoming sales conference. You know, you're, you're not saying just the opportunity to discuss that I might be. You're, and then if you have had champions and usually if you're getting ready for a presentation, other people are going to help you understand what they need is and always make them a hero for their bosses. So thank you for John and Mary. They were very generous with their time and information. And they say your three greatest challenges are your three areas of opportunities or what you are most interested in hearing about their priorities, their challenges, their opportunities, whatever words they are using, that becomes the structure of your presentation. So whereas 
this is where we came from, this is our product line, this is who we serve, might have been your three talking points in the good old days, but now it's what do they care about? And then, or you, you might say, well, your biggest challenge or your biggest area of growth is here. Now, your situation, Skip, is very much like one of our clients, same size, different industry, but also in Cleveland, as you are, and or wherever they happen to be, or it's a technology company in another area. And then you say, and this is how we approach their situation that could work for you. And this is where you're telling stories of happy, satisfied clients, and you're answering the unasked question, which is, if we say yes to you, what are the next steps? And you are doing this through stories. And then, of course, along the way, you might say, well, obviously, if we've been in business for 76 years, and certainly some of our competitors are smaller, however, you have the security of knowing. You know, we have 127 profitable quarters. So you add your benefit. So, for example, if you're a big company that you might not be quite as fast moving as your younger entrepreneurial competition. So you do your best to give your benefits. And if you know they are also considering some of your smaller, less expensive competitors, you reinforce it. We're never going out of business. Again, if you were a smaller company, then you're going to say, Skip, you have the confidence of knowing we are large enough to handle all your needs and areas of growth. We are small enough that you will always be a VIP client and you have the president of the company's cell phone that you can call anytime, day or night. So we have to focus. Now, if Again, we try and diffuse any areas that you think they might have a problem with, just conversationally talk it away. Really interesting perspective on that. So the most important area is what are their interests, structure, everything you want to tell them around their interests or challenges, whatever words they use. What I love about all of this advice is it's targeted to presentations, it's targeted to sales, and yet these are principles that we can use in life. You're so careful with your word choice, but even awful to untrained, and your words that you're declaring to the world and your own thoughts really set the sail for your future. And then the congratulations, which changes the tone. And I love this. If you're the same as everyone else, you have no advantage. And what I love about that is people may know that and think differentiation strategies, but they wouldn't necessarily think it applies even to something as minute as saying thank you for your time. But it does. And so all the way through the, the end of telling stories, and when you're telling stories and you're a phenomenal storyteller, and for those of you who haven't seen Patricia Fripp on stage make sure you have that opportunity. You have this FRIP presentation model that's in the book. It starts with a strong opening. 
I'd love to just get your thought. What are some tips for creating a strong opening? Because a lot of people struggle over this or they start off with the thank you or they look down and apologize right away for not being prepared or the microphone or whatever their apology is. What are some tips for a strong opening or what are some things to avoid a bad opening? You've seen them all, I know. Yes, and you're correct. Let's begin with what you don't want to do. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Patricia Fripp, and what I'd like to talk about, nobody cares. Now, I I have helped several of my clients who have given acceptance speeches for big awards. So obviously, you want to thank people. But I say, no, 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 no. I just helped a wonderful gentleman. I said, no, your opening line is, I was destined to be an entrepreneur. And growing up, my dad, who was, and my mother always said, you are destined for success. So I started with, I was destined, give credit to his parents who launched him and programmed him to be a success that he was really getting this award for. And then he did his thanks. And then he went back to his accomplishments. Now that we're talking about openings. So I'll stop there. One, the purpose of your opening. You have to understand the purpose of your opening is to arouse interest in your subject, whether it's a conversation. If you go back to our last situation, you got three competitors who are all equally positioned. They could all do the job. The price is not that much difference. The presentation gives you an edge. Everyone else is going to thank you for your time. And, you know, it's a pleasure. No, no, no. The fact that you are different gets their attention. Now, let's just say it is a team meeting. I work with a lot of clients and people might be burned out with virtual meetings, but they are here to stay even now we're back. So I I like to ask them, you have weekly team meetings. If I were to ask all your team members, do you think they say, I can hardly sleep Sunday night. I am so excited about monthly team meeting. Of course not. (laughs) Why don't you, obviously people are going to come in, how is your weekend, et cetera. Now it's nine o'clock. Very few people do is then, now, welcome to our Monday morning meeting. Let's remind us, what is the purpose? We want to update everybody on the latest projects. Congratulate those of you who are going over and beyond and learn what new information has come out from headquarters that we can use to our advantage. See, very rarely do managers think about a strong welcome and a bigger purpose beyond the agenda. So that would just be in a team meeting. Have fun. So let's just say if you are reporting to your senior management, how about that? Terrifying for most people, even high level executives tell me (laughs) delivering to the board is still scary. Have a good opening. Now, you don't want to sound as everybody else because direct people are coming in one after another. So you need to sound different. And it could be thank you for the opportunity to update you on the marketing division. To put this presentation into historical context, remember in January, you challenged us to. In April, we reported that. Now you will be excited to know that we are halfway through the year. We are on budget, this, this, this. 
Our biggest challenge has been, our greatest success has been, what we learned that we can use to our advantage is, and you will be excited to know that your 10-person dedicated marketing team is all enthusiastic and committed to the success of this project. It completely pulls you in in a different way and is very clear what the benefits are for listening. It engages you clearly. This is a secret formula because for every planned presentation that we prepare, perhaps we rehearse, there are probably 20 opportunities to speak where you do not know where on the agenda. Oh, Patricia, we're 10 minutes ahead of schedule. I didn't know you're going to be here. Give us an update on your latest marketing campaign. <laughs> or give us an update on this latest project. Or how is the dot .next presentations coming along? And again, what I used for the board presentation is what I recommend you have in your back pocket. That means you have prepared it. You just never know when you're going to use it. Jerry... Lewis said, my best ad-libs took eight hours to write. So they are prepared ad-libs. Most comedians, people think they're ad-libbing. No, this is part of their context, their routine. They're just not quite sure when they're going to throw it in, depending on what the audience says. So imagine you say, uh, we're 10 minutes ahead of schedule. Come on up, Patricia, and give us an update. You have either a few seconds till the Zoom square, they're all focused on you, or you've walked three step, three rows to the front of the room. The secret of when you are being spontaneous, when you didn't know you're prepared, is you always have to have something to say while you're thinking about what you're going to say. And thank you for the opportunity opportunity to update you on the latest results from marketing. That's a good line, whether it's prepared or spontaneous. Thank you for the opportunity to update you on. That gives you a few seconds to think your structure. And again, put it in the context. You're reporting on your campaign, but put it in the context. Remind them what happened before. Always make, if you're speaking on behalf of your team, make them heroes. That's why I say 10-person dedicated. Or what adjective would you want to use about your team? And then any time your boss pulls you to speak and you weren't prepared, ask for something. We need your support in. We would appreciate your consideration for budget add one more person. As you can tell by this report, we're having to use outside resources, which it might be better if we had an official team member. And then... Your last words linger. To my engineers, I say, now you've done your review. You've told them what to do next. You take two steps forward and you say, remember. And that remember, that last line, if they tattooed one sentence from your presentation, what would it be? And that's the same when you have your ask or you have a presentation. It's almost like you've completed your sales presentation. You're turning to leave or you're about to get off screen and then you say, remember, 99% of the Fortune 100 do business with us. Remember, large enough to satisfy your needs, small enough, you'll be a VIP client. Remember, 157 profitable quarters. Whatever one idea you think will give you an edge in your presentation, you do as your last words linger. Skip, 
brilliant copywriters, of which I have a couple of good friends who are, they always say, Fripp, when we create a sales letter, we write the PS first. And the PS is the reason you're sending the sales letter. Get your seat on this day or whatever you want them to remember. So it's the, I call it the PS close or the Columbo close. Now, even though Columbo lives in replay, you know, replay world forever, but Columbo, rumpled, brilliant detective, it was always just, just as he was leaving, just one more question. I'm on my way out, one more. So I call it the Columbo close if you're old enough to remember Columbo or the PS close if you're not. It's really good. Even if you're asked to remember you want to have some kind of opening line, you're still thinking structure, even if it's only going up three rows. The remember piece, the writing the PS first. And also, I like how you took them through the journey. I often tell people in presenting to corporate boards or to management teams, you think in your mind, I just presented two months ago, and you remember every detail of that, and you think they do too. They don't. So having that little opportunity to refresh and remind them, you will recall, I like what you said, we did this, we did this, we did this. It gives them that refresher without saying, are you serious? You don't remember February? <laughs> because they don't remember. They have lives. They're not remembering the details that to you are so all-encompassing and important but not to you. So I really like the way you structure that. I also want to turn to something else, though. There's a section in your book where you it's called uh, Finding Your Content. And you talk about how you broke a real barrier. And I just want to reflect on that because you've been speaking for a long time and you're one of the first women keynoters in a very male-dominated industry. And I'd love to know what was that like and how did you use that in your career? Well, for our audience, I came over to America at 20 with no job, nowhere to live, didn't know anyone, $500. I was a hairstylist. And when I was 23, I worked in the posh Mark Hopkins Hotel in the beauty salon. When I was 23, I worked in the first really fancy men's hairstyling salon in San Francisco. And I worked for what some people might remember. My boss, Jay Sebring, was the Hollywood hairstylist. He did every Hollywood star went to the Sebring salon. And it was one of my executive clients, I believe, from IBM, who were talking about, you know, women considered minorities. I said, really? Women are considered minorities? I just didn't know. I was too young. I was new to America. I didn't know. And it was funny because in those early days, some people came into our salon and when they found out Pat was a woman, not a man, you know, people, what, women can't cut men's hair? Well, so it made it fun to be a wild success. You know, success is your great way to wipe out your competition. When I first went to NSA and then the speaking world was male-dominated, and it was it was interesting because Mike Frank, past president, Cabot Award winner, was one of the first speakers bureaus and he had big rallies where he, he really promoted women. It was amazing because in those days he would say to his clients, would you consider a woman keynote speaker? And of course, a lot of the time the answer was no. I remember with one bureau, 
and this was for the city of Chandler. Now they were having everyone from the executives to the guys that worked on the road. It was everyone who worked for the government city of Chandler. And they were looking for a keynote speaker. And I had just sent this bureau my latest VHS demo. <laughs> I showed you how long ago it was. And even though they, they said, no, 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 the, our, our guys, they won't listen to women. But they, threw, they hadn't even watched my video, but they threw it in. And they came back and said, we want to hire Patricia Fritt. And she said, uh, you said your people won't listen to a woman. They said, our men will listen to that woman. So perhaps as every woman of every generation has heard from their mother, you probably have to work twice as hard to get the same amount of recognition. I've always had the philosophy, don't complain about the way the world appears to be. <laughs> you know, you just keep going. And opportunity, because in the speaking world, it went from the, the, at that time, will you consider a woman, to we need a woman. We have to have a woman. Companies wanted to prove they were modern thinking. So even though they didn't have a large women's sales force, they had to, uh, they wanted to hire a, a woman speaker. So then it turned to our advantage. Then hopefully it got to the point where it's the content and the person. And of course, now what do companies have to prove? That they're very inclusive. So some of our friends who had it tougher to get jobs at one time are now very much in demand. I love people's stories of overcoming odds and facing it. And it, it's interesting how you say, don't complain, keep going, work within the system to change the system and to find out, are you ready for when the world changes and are you prepared? But then once you get your foot in the door, it is your work that speaks for itself. People then see that they have increased effectiveness, increased efficiency, increased sales, increased personal confidence, increased team perspectives, all of those things that you bring and all of the work that you do. And so I'm so grateful that you joined us for a few minutes to talk about speaking. But again, what I think is so amazing about you, and it is opposite of what we said earlier, the more people get to know you, they won't want to know or talk about themselves, they'll want to know your story because it's fascinating, is these life principles of how it applies, not just to speaking, but it applies to literally everything in your life, from your words, to your thoughts, to your actions, to your, how you structure your day and your life and your opening. You know, I was thinking even your opening in your day and your morning, like make a strong opening and you live that way. And so anybody who has an opportunity to hear her speak, please do. You will walk away feeling her energy, which will carry you through the entire week. And you have to get this book because it is a great overview of the concepts that she just talked about, but about thousand more with her two co-authors as well. Deliver unforgettable presentations, how to speak to be remembered and repeated in person, online and on stage. And who doesn't want to deliver unforgettable presentations in the good way? I remind you, not memes. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. And, and Skip, one last comment. One, you can see me speak all over YouTube. Go to my Patricia Fripp YouTube channel and my walkaway line outside the privacy of your own home 
all speaking is public speaking. There is no private speaking. And if you were standing next to the chief operating officer at the employee cafeteria, you can make one comment that is remembered that can help your career a year, two years in the future. And the advice should be say something about them. Loved your speech at the all hands meeting, especially when you said duh. Okay, so I just have to say it. Look at what she just did. Look at what she just did. First of all, it's brilliant. It's smart. I'm an executive, so I know that it works, particularly that you added not just love your speech, but the details of that. But you just did what you talked about. You gave us a remember. You just gave us a PS. So uh, you practice what you preach. So we thank you so much. And for everyone who is listening, you will know that you will become a better presenter, better in sales, better in positioning, and better in life. If you take Patricia Fripp's advice, it will help us all to aim higher. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher. Aim higher.